0: When you're a single parent, there can be a lot going on from managing money to growing your career or business while parenting, dating, and finding time for yourself. How can you create a great life and actually have fun doing it? That's the question we're here to answer. Welcome to Single and Mighty, the podcast where we believe single parents deserve to lead mighty lives. I'm Carmel Ecker, A single parent who gets my adventure fix as a mountain biking coach. I'm also the founder of Your One Amazing
1: Life. And I'm Lindsay Carlson, a solo parent who left an abusive relationship to start a new life. I now enjoy running my own company, Mighty Inc. Marketing. We've both been single parents for more than a decade, which means we've made our share of mistakes and learned a few things along the way. What stands out for us is the value of community inspiration, and support to create a life you love no matter what the world throws at you. And that's what this podcast is all about. So listen in, get inspired, and leave a review so other single parents can find it too. And sign up at singleandmighty.com for bonus resources and special news. All right, let's get into today's episode. Today we're
0: talking to Adele Fraser. She is a coach living in Victoria, BC with her two sons. She's been a single parent for more than 10 years and this year in 2024 she'll be celebrating the milestone of her younger son graduating from high school. So uh, empty nest land. Today we are talking about how her divorce has impacted her children and her relationship with them. So welcome Adele. I'm super excited about this conversation.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for
0: having me.
1: I'm excited too, for sure. Awesome. We're so glad to have you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been amazing to meet you as a single parent and in kind of the British Columbia community. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I noticed is that you've got this really long single parent story over a decade Um, and Mm -hmm. Carmel and I both have that length of time as well. So that's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first question is, can you tell us your single parent story? Just give us kind of a timeline and how things have evolved from the beginning until now.
2: Yeah, certainly. So, my kids had just turned five and seven when I we officially separated my ex ex husband and I. I was thirty three, and it was not the future I had planned. So, it was a little bit of a, a shock, a huge adjustment. Kind of had to get over this thinking, like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't right. This isn't how my life was supposed to play out." To coming to the accepting place of this is exactly what is happening. And this is exactly how my life should be playing out. And then just finding the opportunities. It was actually kind of funny. i I often tell the story at like at 30, I was like, Oh, you know, like turning 30 going like, Oh, life's great. I've got this and this and everything's sorted. And I'm right on track. And then kind of hitting 31, 32 and going like, is this, is this it? Like, am I, what, what's next? <laughs> like, I kind of forgot to continue doing that creating beyond that 30 30- 30 year old horizon. Mm. And yeah, and divorce definitely handed me that opportunity in a big way. So, Uh,
0: divorce is amazing like that, isn't it? It's the opportunity you never knew you wanted.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is good (laughs) for Yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, we've just
2: like uh, Carmel mentioned in the intro, my youngest son is just starting his graduation year. My older son just went into second year university. He did uh, take take on the challenge of moving away from home to go to university. So he truly has flown the nest for now. He was back over the summer, but he's back uh, across the country again now. And my younger son is committed to doing the same thing. So um, taking that same leap across the country to be where his big brother is. And so yeah, truly empty nester at you know, I'll be 47, 46, 47 when I'm heading into that. And even that's a kind of like that, that gift I didn't even know I needed or wanted. So
1: yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I have, um, I have my oldest is 20, almost 22. And my second is a son. He's, he's 20. And so they are both at university, away from home too. And I have a youngest at home still. And I always say such a blessing to still have one at home because the empty, Mm -hmm. nesting years are a little bit, it's a huge change and it's easy Mm -hmm. to get a little bit scared of those, I think. So it's really Mm -hmm. interesting to hear. um, And I'd love to dig into that a bit more with you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm, How are you preparing
0: for for this? And you know that you're going to be have an empty nest and and not like they're living in the same city they're living clear across the country
1: so Mm -hmm. how are you
0: preparing
2: yourself for that
0: eventuality Um,
2: it's actually funny my younger son said well if we're both going to be there mom like you could come move there too and I thought that's very sweet and generous of you but I feel like not really what you ultimately would want so um, definitely planning travel is part of it and I noticed that you know Generally, I'm someone who likes to plan in advance. So I did a lot of the, what I would call like the grief, the grieving and rebuilding process before my older son actually even left for university (laughs) the first time. I thought it was, you know, like I was prepared for it to be really, really bumpy. And his younger brother and I, went to montreal got him sorted got him settled in and i thought it was going to be terrible coming home but it was kind of like when i got home i was like oh okay and now we're on the other side and and i know what to do with this Mm -hmm. it was more the unknown that i was scared of Mm -hmm. so i would say that yeah the place where i'm doing i'm in it is almost easier than the lead up was the transition and maybe it's because i did some of that disconnecting kind of accepting work in advance of him going uh, but yeah that's what i've that's what i found and the second one leaving and actually having an empty nest while daunting and you know in my relationship with my boys has been my top priority over the last you know decade plus i'm i i was a young i was a young newlywed i was a young mom and it's not, it's, it's an opportunity again, a little bit uh, nerve wracking because it's truly up to me now. Like the space is mine. There's nobody else I'm, I'm necessarily, you know, sharing it with in terms of creating what's the next chapter for my life. Yeah. But again, it's, it's what's needed. Mm -hmm. So much
1: there. So you're a coach and I imagine that that, you know, can probably bring you a lot of wisdom or at least some frameworks to, work with with this stuff like what do you do when you're faced with an empty canvas and you're in your 40s and you you get to create whatever you want but that's also quite scary yeah
2: one of the reasons I love coaching is because you get something out of every conversation you're in not necessarily in terms of what you're offering the other person but what their experience is offering you right back so that's always Yeah. Yeah. That's always really a lovely part of that engagement. My coach approach really is starting with self. Like really, I, (laughs) I said a few times this morning already in, in different conversations I was in offering yourself space and grace. So that's the first thing, right? (laughs) I give myself the space and grace to do whatever I need to do now as a potential empty nester in my 40s. And then really strengthening that relationship with myself. Like, what do I want? What do I value? It's very similar to the process that actually and ended up unfolding for me as I was getting divorced. You know, I remember being slightly devastated that I was in the position of sharing my kids and we were roughly week on week off and so I was lamenting to a married friend of mine about how I now had this week to myself and while I you know still had a job and, and a dog and a home and all those things, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to fill my time and and I remember lovingly my friend said well, you just get to do whatever it is you want. And my, like my, yeah, my stomach dropped into my feet. And I was like, that's scary on so many levels. The first one being I actually have lost connection with what it is I, I want mm-hmm. and what I like, what I want to do for myself being so focused on my relationship and my kids and, and my family. So yeah, it's the same. So it's basically. A, Similar experience I, again having now even more space to focus on what I value and what I want to do and, and what is it what's the lasting impact that I want to realize in my lifetime for myself
1: absolutely
0: beyond single parenting yeah and and what a what a lovely and unexpected blessing for you that mm-hmm. divorce And, and that week of space just to yourself Mm -hmm. brought you back to yourself, made you, you know, gave you that insight of like, oh, I'm, I'm disconnected from who I am because Mm -hmm. I've prioritized Mm -hmm. these other things.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, not what I had chosen, but realizing it was exactly what I did need and, and yeah, useful, productive time for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And not even not only to reconnect to the self that I may not have been paying attention to anymore, but to deepen my relationship with myself as a now thirty-year-old versus you know a young twenty-year-old, right? Ten years later, and oh, now who are we? What have we, you know, what do we value? What are we doing?
1: It's, yeah, it's very different.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the things that you did with that week off? Was it at first really hard to figure out what to do? And did you develop some things to help you kind of structure that time? Or did you just take the time off and and sit and think a lot?
2: There was a lot of sitting and thinking for sure. I will will be honest about that. Um, There was, you know, in the reconnecting and building that relationship with myself, there was some hard work to do around grieving and learning and growing, you know, challenging myself to really look at how I had arrived where I had arrived and and what was next for me in terms of value, but also trying to balance out the focus on parenting and the focus on self with work and, you know, personal time, uh, friendships Exercise. So I actually had a friend who was into dance and I'd never been a dancer, but I'd been a a yogi for, you know, probably 20 years at that point. And she got me into ballet, (laughs) which as an adult was, was fun and interesting. And so I challenged myself with actually being in some dance performances in my early thirties, which was fun. Again, reminding myself that I could do much harder things than I had given myself credit for before facing Things like divorce in my life, right? I'd had, as a child, I had uh, this thing called like Perthes disease, and I was in double leg cast for a couple years. And we were living in Mexico at the time because our family actually moved around a lot. And so I, I had faced a lot of challenge, but I think that I had forgotten that. And so yes. even that was part of an opportunity to reconnect with myself. I remember, at one point. Uh, taking like a journal and, and just remembering like, I did this, I did that, like I am this, I've done that to remind myself that I had more depth than I was giving myself credit for or admitting in that, in those kind of tougher moments. So a little bit of unstructured time, a little bit of like st- structured and connected time, certainly doubling down on being grateful and appreciating the things in my life that were there versus focusing on the things that weren't there and that included friendships you know reconnecting with friends from a long time ago and just really yeah and that also helped with
1: reconnecting to you know myself again as well yeah i love it how fun doing ballet and performing on stage as a dancer that's really adventurous yeah Uh, really
0: good i love that idea of like doing things that aren't maybe naturally in your wheelhouse or something you don't naturally gravitate to and, and it feeling Mm -hmm. hard and just being like, uh, okay, well, you know, it brings me back to that idea of, you know, how can we bring play into our lives and not worry about, Mm -hmm. am I good at this, but just go and do it for Mm -hmm. the joy of it. And if I suck Mm -hmm. at it, Okay. (laughs)
1: I'm going to suck okay. at this and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that. Yeah, I love that. Perfectly uh, really imperfect.
2: Good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I also love that you mm-hmm. dove deep into what you had overcome in the past. And I don't know if you want to share any more about what you grew up with and, and what you learned from those experiences growing up. But it sounds like you knew you had this resilience, even though maybe you'd forgotten about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I... You know, when, so I, 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 grew up moving around. I We left Canada when I was seven and we lived in Mexico and Australia and Papua New Guinea before we moved back to Canada when I was 16 and I finished high school and, and stayed here. And so people used to say, well, what was that like? You know, like, what, what, what do you think would be better? And when you have no comparison, you don't know. Right. And intuitively, I always knew that when I had my own family, I wanted to stay put. So I, I, you know, without having a direct experiential comparison, I I did know that it was difficult to, to be moving around. I also did have the complication of the like Perthes disease. So kind of always managing that. And I think that when you're younger, you aren't given... Yeah. You know, while stepping onto the stage to do ballet was nerve wracking, it was my choice. Mm -hmm. And those other things were not my choice. They were my family's choice and and they were good choices to make, but it's a different relationship to it. And I think what I realized when I was writing down all those things and going, Hey, you've done this and you've done that. And was that I, I, I did know, I did know difficult things while I hadn't chosen them before. And that as I had grown up, like I, as I was making my own choices, I had started to shy away from challenge and discomfort a lot more than I Mm. was aware of. And so I kind of, yeah, I just turned the dial on that as I as I got divorced again, some of it was choice, some of it wasn't choice. But the other thing that I really, that really, really supported me as I went through those things that were not necessarily my choice, but were what was happening, was realizing how empowered I could feel when I chose the things that were happening, whether they were mine or not whether those decisions were mine or not choosing those things really helped me find much more empowerment in it than if I was kind of like they were happening to me rather than I was happening with them.
1: Can you say more about that? Just to sort of clarify choosing the things that are happening,
2: even though Mm -hmm. you don't have
1: a choice that they're happening.
2: Yeah. Well, divorce wasn't my decision. So I, I, Really sat with feeling like I could have sat on my laurels and said, "Oh, you know, this is terrible. You know, I'm oh, a, this. I'm me. a complete victim in this situation." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, "Woe is me." I don't know what I'm going to do. And I thought I could do that. And I also had this other opportunity to really look at what I want and you know how did I get here what are the things I want to be learning from this situation what's mine to own what's an opportunity for me to grow and develop so really yeah just really choosing the things that I hadn't necessarily chosen so that I could to your point yeah create some wisdom for myself from the experiences that I was having
0: that is a really nice. powerful, I, I don't know if I could call it a reframe or a rethinking of the situation, but you know, I think it really makes the difference between something being harder than it has to be and not, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and also your, your resilience, right? Your resilience mm-hmm. to the, con- the continuousness of that change and the stress that comes mm-hmm. with it. Like you're just better able to manage that when you look at it from the perspective that you did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And that might've been a strategy, a coping strategy for sure, but it was, but it served me. It worked.
1: Yeah. 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 It sounds Mm -hmm. like one of the things that you chose was kind of the culture that you created with your boys and the family Mm -hmm. that you, Mm -hmm. I feel like you designed your family a little bit by making that, that kind of a choice. Can you say more about Mm -hmm. that?
2: So it's funny, my, my dad lost his dad when he was 12 and my, and he was in a, in a family situation similar to mine. So my, you know, he had his mom and then he was 12 and he had an older brother. So, and I remember hearing the stories when I was younger that my grandmother told them at that point when they lost their dad, I will do everything I can to have you not, miss out on anything in life because you, your father has passed. And I think that while I maybe wasn't totally aware of it in those moments, that was something that I completely embraced as well. I always joke or laugh about saying it wasn't that I got divorced. We got divorced. We all got divorced. The whole family got divorced, right? It wasn't my divorce or my and my ex-husband's divorce. It was our divorce. The kids were just as impacted as we were. And so, you know what 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 were they going to need to make sure that they got what they you know the fullness of an experience for their life i was always really aware of it's easy to sit in my in my single parent chair and view the world through my lens right of what i want what's important to me what my world looks like and my kids are having a totally separate experience to me so always remembering to look at what the wholeness of their experience was was really valuable in making those decisions. create that culture in my family that I wanted and I know I've shared this story with you Lindsay but it dawned on me one day my ex-husband had a new partner and they were introducing kids and it had been great and exciting that honeymoon period in the beginning and life was starting to normalize and things were getting a little bit more stressful and there was like you know a little bit more sibling bickering I would say and the boys were coming home from their dad's house uh, with stories of challenge and then I was noticing that when they would get stressed out or they would hit a challenge you know at at my house they would start to bring in the idea that you know you hadn't and then and then you you know threw me under the bus here and you didn't have my back there and and they were feeling like they were being divided And, and it dawned on me i was like wow unlike any other family i've ever been a part of my kids don't like the each of them were the only two that knew the fullness of of the experience of the other right mm-hmm. i don't know what happens at dad's house dad doesn't know what happens at my house but the two of you know what happens for each other constantly mm-hmm. so just reminding them at that time, and and again, over and over, the value of that relationship that they really could become allies and support each other and, and notice whether they were having that relationship with each other or whether they were falling into the pressures of the normal, you know, family dynamics that happen and becomes more divisive. And they... They leaned into that. They That really landed for them, realizing like, oh, wow, this is a special, special relationship in my life. And they've maintained that, like they they still, they're still that way now, closer with each other than I would say they are with probably almost anyone else in the world. So that, that is was amazing. really valuable to me. That yeah. is
0: such a valuable insight for you to share with them. Like, mm-hmm. I think often parents can get irritated with. Well, why can't you just get along instead Mm. of digging? And you dug down into the layer and you looked at the situation. You were like, actually, there's an opportunity here for you too. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's because you're a coach, like maybe you're natural. Maybe this was before you became a coach. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was before I was
0: technically a coach.
2: (laughs) I always laugh. I'm like, I've been a coach forever. But yes, (laughs) it was before
0: that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's just such a a, a powerful gift that you were able to give your kids in the middle of a a tough time. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think I've always been, I've been, I have always been grateful that they were open to hearing the things that I wanted to have them hear. We always, we started very early on using the phrase productive dialogue. And again, that I wasn't a coach at that (laughs) point. But I was laughing because my mom always used the proper terminology for everything when I was a kid too. And I, I didn't do that as much as she did, but I certainly used productive dialogue or productive conversation, you know, so, so we didn't jump to defensiveness. We did acknowledge what the other person was saying. You know, we didn't, st- stonewall or or jump to contempt, like really trying to stay in the place of productive dialogue. And while I started that with them when they were probably six and eight, they still use it even to the degree that my they had a they went out for dinner with their dad recently and they had a tough conversation and, and I asked how did it go? And my younger one said, it was a really productive dialogue. And I i almost laughed, I almost burst out <laughs> laughing because I was like, so happy. I was like, oh, you probably don't even hear yourself saying that, but it's so <laughs> ingrained in you that you're still using it. And yeah, so that was also part of what, what I really worked towards because I wanted them to have those. I wanted them to have those relationships. I mean, relationships shifted for me a lot in my divorce. You get a really clear understanding that relationships are not a given. They are a choice, Mm -hmm. right? Even the ones in your family. So if you're given the choice of a relationship with your brother or not, choose with your brother, choose that, you know, and then keep choosing it as we all have to with relationships every day. Mm -hmm. So I think that was where that came from. That was the seed of that was like, wow, relationships are absolutely a choice and it's, you know, hard work and and so if you want the payoff you have to lean into the sometimes discomfort of it
1: mm. yeah i love that forethought forethought foresight it's amazing and it kind of knits them together instead of focusing at all on what's coming apart or you know what the negatives could be it's it's building towards a positive outcome so mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful
1: yeah
0: certainly yeah, I love how that story so neatly points out that there are positives and negatives when divorced. like the impact can be both positive and negative. Like you actually took a negative and turned it into a positive. And I wonder if, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of that on your part through, you know, the initial divorce and in the years since, you know because it's it's an ongoing thing like even though the divorce is a defined period of time the f- the fallout of it the impact of it mm-hmm. continues mm-hmm. for years right because ki- you know kids are living in two different households with two different sets mm-hmm. of rules um and mm-hmm. often you know as as in your case one household you know now has another adult in it mhm mhm so how do you, how do you manage the impact of all of that? It's kind of complicated.
2: Yeah, it's definitely complicated. The I mean one of the gifts that my divorce gave me was presence, right? Like being present in each moment very very differently. I have always had a bit of a preset for looking at the maybe it's just because I try to avoid discomfort, but always looking for that space of like positivity. What can we appreciate in this moment? What can we learn? Like, how can we use this to serve us? And so, yeah, there was a lot of like, well, at dad's house, this and at your house, that, and there, it was, it was very different. It was, there were different rules. There were different circumstances, you know, different expectations, different lifestyle choices. So acknowledging that with the kids that, yeah, this is complicated. I don't know I really don't know what you're going through because I didn't go through this. But what I did say and what I did know was that I, I really recognized that um, because I stayed in a single parent or a, like a, a, a single family household, my, my parents did not get divorced. They are still happily married. Actually. <laughs> I, I only kind of got a view on one way of living, like one kind of choice of, being in the world and you know maybe it was a lack of awareness on my end but i kind of recognized that i went out into the world with the assumption that that was the best way for you know maybe the best way but definitely the best way for me or the way that i was supposed to be right i mm-hmm. kind of made those assumptions just given the conditioning and and modeling that i had in my life and so i and then i kind of you know after my divorce i realized like oh that really kind of in some ways that did limit me i was limiting myself in terms of what i was willing to consider as possibility for my life and i was and i said to the boys i i had this experience and and that was my experience and i can see the difference in your experience is that younger at a younger age earlier on in your life you're gonna get to see various kinds of modeling for hmm. lifestyle and and relationship and even career choices. So earlier on your mind will expand about what your possibilities are for yourself. So in that way it was kind of like and I and 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 it gave them permission earlier on to say okay these are mom's choices, these are dad's choices, this is one way of living, this is another way of living and finding that space in the middle that worked for them. Mm-hmm. For yeah, so kind of they, they were able to make those choices about what they wanted for themselves. I would say they were they were invited to think about those things earlier in life than I was thinking about them as an example. So that was one way that that we definitely kind of reconciled that. You know, I remember one afternoon they were talking about the things that they were Doing it dads and doing it moms, and I could always kind of see, especially my older one. He really like all his emotions read on his face quite easily. So I can see that he was kind of like, "Ha, huh, this is awkward." Like I'm, I'm happy about this, and then, and then then I'm at mom's house, and I'm, I'm happy about this at dad's house, and I just don't quite know how to land all of that for myself so we had this big they were little so we had lots of craft supplies around we had this big roll of like butcher paper and so i rolled it out on the dining room table and i drew two big circles like a venn diagram and i put mom on one side and dad on the other side and then we like spent probably an hour and a half just thinking of all the different things that Uh, happened at mom's and dad's house. There was some things that were the same. There was lots of things that were different. And then just really leaning into appreciating and celebrating the differences rather than Mm -hmm. finding them to be things that they had to find a preference over. Or like, you know, I used to say to them often, like, you actually don't get to choose. I know that sometimes you feel like you might need to or might want to choose about, you know, preference for parenting. Unfortunately, you don't get to choose. Those choices were made before you arrived here. Um, so we're your parents and, and that's the way that is. But yeah, so just really leaning into celebrating the diversity of the two households. And, and after we did that, that Venn diagram, we actually cut off. The dad's side and sent it to dad's house because i was like hey you might want to see all the ways the boys are appreciating the things that the opportunities that they have at your house and i still have our side of the venn diagram taped to the inside of my pantry i haven't moved since we've done that so it's still taped to the inside of the pantry where i put it that day and i love yeah opening up and laughing about the things yeah. that we wrote but down
1: fantastic it's so easy to have that be like a a fight or a way of dividing moms is better than dads or dads is better than moms and you're right the dichotomy in the kids heads is always like well comparing that's just a natural way that we do things we're always going to compare so you brought that together beautifully i i I love that way of looking at it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i can see your your teacher
0: i can see your teacher training
2: coming into play there (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It totally was. It totally did. Yeah. But really just that lens again of like, okay, the children as whole beings, right. And then not wanting them to have as much as I could create ease for them with not having to have this like dual reality, which I think is a difficult reality of, of divorce. And still they had that, but what I was, I was focused on what could I do to make that easier for them?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and what yeah. were what were some other ways that you were able to make things easier for them in that in the transition and you know just the the life of living between two houses
2: That's a really great question i I think that i well, like I said, even when they were feeling like they had to choose, I invited them to consider that they didn't get to choose. <laughs> that was the reality. So really kind of taking that, that, like that desire to kind of rip yourself up, uh, away from them. Again, maybe under the theme of space and grace, there were, it was tough, right? Like there was, you know, there was some uncomfortable, difficult, you know, less than beautiful moments. And sometimes even just getting to school was too much, Uh, you know, especially if it was transition day, which was definitely a, a, a phrase in our household, right? Oh, it's transition day, pack your soccer bag, pack your backpack. And so on those days, sometimes, you know, I would get to school and they couldn't get out of the van. They were like, I can't, and I would, and I was feeling all this pressure too. Cause I'm like, I got to show up at work. Like I'm going to be late. You're going to be late. Oh my God, this is transition day. I'm feeling my feelings. You're feeling your feelings. And so despite all of my instincts to like push forward and dig deeper and make us all get where we're supposed to get, I would sometimes just be like, you know what? We're going to the beach. And I'd get back in the van and we'd drive to the beach and we'd walk on the, and you know, I we, cl- we luckily live quite close to a beach, but that cold air on your face, like it just helps all your nervous system relax and kind of reset and get perspective. Like there's nothing like staring at the ocean and hearing the waves to really get some perspective and realize like, okay, you know, this is not, while I'm feeling all of these feelings, there's a bigger vision here too. So that kind of helped, yeah. So Great. Good.
1: move.
0: It yeah. is a great mom move. It would be so easy, you know. As adults, we get caught in the "I've got to be somewhere." Like this is this is the the plan for the day, and we got to stick to the plan. And mm. y- you just kind of read the
2: play there, you know, probably mm-hmm. on well, multiple. Probably because I read the play the wrong way a few times and went, <laughs> "That was horrible. We never right. want to do that again." And I was like, "What?" Or- we're we gonna do differently next time so there's that that like precursor of coach showing up being like how oh, that wasn't exactly the way we wanted it to go what will yeah. we do differently next time and realizing that actually like taking that time and going to the beach one that energy spend was way smarter and probably mm-hmm. way less energy taken up and doing that and time. Like we would recover a lot quicker yeah. than trying to just force ourselves to just keep going. And now we're dealing with this after school because we didn't really let it go in the morning, you know. So like being present in that moment and like you said, kind of reading, well, what what could we do? That gives Basically, me so
1: much hope. That gives me so much hope because I think a lot of us come to this podcast, listen to it. We're not coaches like the two of you. We're like, okay, she totally has the playbook to life, but I don't. I'm no. just going to make mistakes as I go. And <laughs> just hearing that, you're like, it actually did not work the first you know, X number of times. And it, was, it blew up. It was a mess. And then I, I was able to learn from my mistakes. And I think we can all do that. So mm. it gives me so much hope that we're all going to make those mistakes. And just being able to be a bit creative and approach things differently mm-hmm. and think about the outcome that you want to have.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah. And and that was something that became really clear for me, too, through divorce and, and as a tool I lean on daily, if not hourly, is really just making decisions um, based on values much more than I was, which is that presence. Right. Like I was like, I actually value my kids with my relationship with my kids and their mental well-being and and feelings of being loved in this moment more than I do my job. Not that I was ever, I was never going to lose my job because of that, but we all have these, you know, needing to look a certain way or be considered a certain way. It's difficult to look like a hot mess, but it's a lot more authentic. Right. And I certainly, I, I certainly admit to being a hot mess. And that's actually, those are the kind of the, those moments when you get real with yourself about, you know, how, you really are, how things really are on the inside. Those are those moments to then create that wisdom, you know, yeah, to just be with yourself and be like, huh? Yeah, no, that wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted. I'm going to, I'm going to give myself a do over next time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we're all a hot mess every now and then. Like, I I don't think there's anybody (laughs) who escapes being a hot mess at some point in your life.
2: And, and if you do
0: escape it, I think maybe you're doing life wrong. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right that's right. <laughs> Give yourself permission to just admit you're a hot mess or notice you're a hot mess for yeah. sure yeah.
1: yeah well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I feel like I have some tools for you know mapping out that that next stage in my life, the empty nester that's peering around the corner at me uh, and I feel like the wisdom that you shared around creating your family after divorce and instilling that really solid relationship and the grounding in your boys. I feel like those are amazing takeaways. So thank you for those. And oh, we yeah. have, yeah, we have an amazing lightning round of questions for you. Oh. Ding, ding. Okay. Ding, ding. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I and, <think. laughs> and I have to find mine. Carmel I- is... Uber organized because she sent them to me, so I, I I know she's got them there somewhere. I do, I do. That's awesome. It's I've got a lot of tabs open today. So. Okay, yeah, I'll give you amazing. I'll give you a moment Brilliant. of grace. I I can ask the first question. Okay. Um, what is your favorite activity right now that you get to do just for you?
2: Oh, I would definitely say pickleball. It's my new me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the rest. America (laughs) it's it's my yeah I had a friend who got me into it me and a group of us all into it about a year and a half ago and it's just speaking of silly and playful silly playful fun totally accessible and yeah kind of like what yoga was for me I would say 20 years ago like that mind sweep like you can't think about anything else when you're playing you're just in the moment and you're playing and it brings you right back to that which is a great way to to be brought back to
0: I think everybody needs an activity like that
1: Mm -hmm. and that allows you Mm -hmm. to just kind of
0: like focus on none of the, you know, crazy making stuff that often goes on in our heads. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. What's the most beneficial habit you have right now? Oh, most beneficial
2: habit. I would say regular exercise and right now that looks like yoga in the mornings, you know, whether it's at home or whether it's at a studio, just really trying to stay connected to my body because I think we run around all day long and all our energy is up here above our shoulders and trying to bring some of that energy down into the rest of our body to nurture those spaces as well. I'd say that's probably the most beneficial habit that I have.
0: Oh, beautiful. A do, you, do you consider pickleball exercise?
2: I do, because you are running around a lot. It's not the same to your like whole body that yoga is, because there isn't as much stillness in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's
2: still fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And is there a book or a podcast that you could recommend that's had a lot of impact on you as a parent or as a human that our listeners might like to check out too?
2: Yeah. For a long time, I listened to Armchair Expert because I really appreciated Dax's willingness to show up and really lean into his version of hot masks and how he's kind of, you know, what he's done with that in his life and the things that he's overcome. So I I really liked that for a long time. Currently, a woman I work with gave me the recommendation of, we can do hard things, Glennon Doyle, uh, Abby Wombatches. Podcast, but specifically the episode called "How to Lose Half of Your Guilt," and it really has a a great narrative for making decisions based on your values, and then having those boundaries around that. That sometimes you might think you might think that you're you're feeling guilt, but you're actually just feeling discomfort at somebody else not being quite happy with the boundary Mm -hmm. that you're setting for yourself. And that discernment is really powerful in kind of, yeah, losing half your guilt and maybe making (laughs) more comfortably making decisions based on your values. So I like that one a lot too.
0: I really like that distinction. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a light bulb moment distinction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure. Speaking of space and grace, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Last one. What's the most important thing that you've learned from your children? Oh, learn from my children.
2: I feel like we kind of grew up side by side in some ways. I, I know that I'm more mature than they are, but they really, really are wiser than I am. The most important thing, honestly, I'm going to say is pay attention to my own needs. Mm. They've been great around, you know, saying like, well, what do you want, mom? What do you need, mom? Like,
1: and what do you mean? Kind of <laughs> for children? For my children, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean. they have,
2: yeah, yeah, and that your children recognize that again, right? Like, I but mean, they did. They really have, and also just recognizing, like, I got nothing to give them if I am not also feeding myself. So, I would say that that's amongst the many, many lessons and gifts that they've offered me. That would be one of the most important ones.
1: That's a Amazing. beautiful one to, yeah, to finish this conversation with. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Adele. This was a fantastic talk. I can't wait to go back and listen again and and pick up all the nuggets that I didn't write down in my huge scribbly notes. Fantastic. It was great talking to you. Yeah. yeah. You as well. Thank you for the invitation to be here today. Lovely.
0: Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Kosh, who wrote our intro and outro music. Laura is the singer-songwriter for the band The Quirks, and you can find them online at The Quirks, K-W-E-R-K-S dot com.
1: If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening.